In September of 1972, American blues folk singer-songwriter Bonnie Raitt released her second studio album, Give It Up. The California sweetheart headed to Woodstock to cut the album, only to face near-monsoon weather. She took refuge in the studio and churned out gorgeous, folksy blues, including Jackson Brown's Under the Falling Sky and compositions of her own. Welcome to the 500 Albums Podcast, where we go through the Rolling Stones' top 500 list of the greatest albums of all time. As selected by a panel of musicians, music critics, and journalists, and published by the Rolling Stone magazine in 2003. My name is Irwin, and today we are looking at number 496 on the list, which is Give It Up by Bonnie Raitt. So we're back once again with a regular studio album compared to some of the previous episodes. Today we're looking at Bonnie Raitt, which is the first female musician on the list. So that's going to be exciting. The album was released in the early 70s. Of course, we've seen some albums before from that time. But of course, it's a different perspective now. And some other interesting things around this album that uh, that we're looking at. I personally had never heard of Bonnie Raitt before. I think it's very much a artist that's very popular in the US. And since I'm from Europe, I don't think I've gotten to know her. But listening to this album, I really enjoyed it and I like the blues and I like sometimes some folky music so it was really cool to see that come back in this album and I'm excited to get into it so let's look at the artist first Bonnie Raitt is an American blues folk singer songwriter a guitarist and an activist Raitt was born in 1949 in Burbank California her mother was a pianist and her father was a Broadway musical star. So music had always been really in her genes and surrounding her. And she herself was also very musically inclined from a very young age. First trying piano after her mother, but later she moved on to the guitar as she thought she'd never be as good as her mom. She was given her first guitar at the age of 8 years old and she did not take up any lessons at that time. And instead, she would play along with some country and folk music and records that she got from the late 50s and early 60s. She very much looked up to the beatnik movement of this time, and she started identifying with this movement by dressing the same way, growing her hair out, and kind of behaving like they would. And in her childhood and early teens, she would also spend time at summer camps in upstate New York. And here she was very much encouraged to perform for an audience and for the leaders there at the camp. And this is where she really got into the folk music like Bob Dylan. Bonnie Raitt herself described that in her teens music was really an escape for her. And with the background of her Quaker religion and the enviness she had for her folk music heroes, she became very much involved with the anti-war movement from a young age. And she herself described this as follows, quote, I was going to save the world from the time I was 11. That was the way I was raised. I just understood that you were to be a service to other people and that people who just worked for their own aggrandizement were shallow. So from the time I was a kid, 
I wanted to do something for the good of other people. End quote. After Bonnie graduated high school, she enrolled into Radcliffe University in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And because she was inspired by the art and culture of Tanzania, she decided to major in African studies because she also really wanted to work there. And during this period of her studies, she started performing at some music clubs in the area. And there she was spotted by Dick Waterman. And Dick Waterman was someone who was trying to revive some old blues musicians' careers to having them perform at some different clubs and trying to get them known in the mainstream public again. And her meeting Dick Waterman was a catalyst in her professional career. And she started performing full-time. During these performances, she started receiving very positive reviews and record labels started showing up for her performances. And in the spring of 1971, she was finally signed to Warner Brothers Records. She started working on her debut album there. But before I get into that, I'd like to look a bit more at her musical style and her influences. So throughout her career, Raid has gotten rave reviews by critics, starting early on being praised for her blend of folk, blues, R&B and rock and roll music. And her playing is categorized by the use of a bottleneck slide on a guitar. And she was really one of the few women who played guitar like this. And later in her career, she embraced the electric guitar more. And with her soulful singing, she created legendary renditions of some blues classics, but she also wrote her own personal songs that were very much well-reviewed. Her early musical influences were folk artists like the Kingston Trio, Bob Dylan, and Peter, Paul, and Mary. And in her teens, she really found a real connection in music coming out of the British invasion. So the early to mid-60s, with the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, for example. And this is also around the same time she started listening to blues music. And the first time she heard this kind of music was from the live album, Newport Jazz Festival from 1963. And this album features a huge inspiration for her, John Hammond, who used the slide guitar as well. And lastly, a big role model for her both in music and in her activism is Joan Baez. And she actually befriended her later on and worked with her on multiple occasions. Bonnie Raitt is still active today. And throughout her career, she has released 17 studio albums, two compilations and two live albums. And she's been awarded heavily throughout her career, including 11 Grammys. She also has been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So besides her musical career, Raid has been heavily involved with political activism and philanthropy. And this is something that started early in her career, where she spoke out against the Vietnam War. And after this, she continued having this anti-war sentiment, specifically speaking out against the use of nuclear weapons and nuclear energy. And she played an important part in this activism. Raid has also contributed to several organizations that provide free instruments and lessons to children in the United States. And she also helped fund some headstones for legendary Mississippi blues musicians together with Dick Waterman. During her career, Bonnie Raid has also struggled a lot with alcohol and drug addiction. But I'll talk more about this part of her life in a later episode about the album Lake of Time from 1989. So if we jump back a little bit, 
Before the release of Give It Up, Braid signed a record deal with Warner Brothers Records. And on this label, she released her self-titled debut album in late 1971. And it featured mostly folk and blues covers. And this album was received very well by critics. But the sales were very modest. And Robert Crisgau, columnist for the Consumer Guide, gave the album an A-. And he wrote the following about the record. Quote, Braid is a folky by history, but not by aesthetic. She includes songs from Steve Stills, the Marvelettes, and a classic feminist blues singer named Sippy Wallace. Because she knows the world doesn't end with acoustic song poems and Fred McDowell, an adult repertoire that rocks with a steady role, and she's all of 21 years old. End quote. And we're gonna see a pattern here, but there were no singles released for her debut album. The album also did not give her as much public acclaim. But more and more people started showing up for her shows and showing interest anyway. And this is how she slowly built up a loyal and dedicated audience who started coming to the music club she was playing. And as she was performing with some of her blues idols, the crowd was actually showing up for her instead of them, which gave her some great self-confidence. And now the final track of this debut album, Women Be Wise, which is originally by Sippy Wallace. It is a special track. Because in 1972, Raid was going to perform at the Ann Arbor Blues and Jazz Festival, and the events promoter had invited Sippy Wallace to attend the rehearsals and the performance of Raid. And even though Sippy Wallace had suffered a stroke a few years prior to this performance, she agreed to attend. And during the rehearsals, she was so moved by Raid's performance, they decided to play the song together at the festival. And this was also recorded. And here's a little snippet of that performance. to some other albums on other episodes give it up was recorded in the early 70s which of course is a remnant of the summer of love and it was filled with anti-war protest but also emancipation and empowerment especially to women and the vietnam war seemed to be coming to an apex leading up to the 1972 presidential election and there was a lot of unrest in america about this war with many citizens and also artists, of course, protesting for it to end. And this reflected in the election, because both candidates pleaded to end the Vietnam War, but in different ways. Challenger George McGovern pleaded for an immediate stop to the US's contribution of the war. Meanwhile, the incumbent President Nixon was for a different approach, which involved several years of continuing fighting in Vietnam. Now the 60s was also the time of second wave feminism 
Well, it seemed to have ebbed away at the end of this decade. The movement kind of rise back up again in the early 70s. And the movement focused primarily on critiquing the patriarchal and male-dominated institutions and cultural practices throughout society. And books like Sisterhood is Powerful and Sexual Politics from 1970 made this ideology reach a much larger audience throughout the country, kind of raising up this awareness again. And the release of the song I Am Woman by Helen Reddy was a very important moment in history and in this movement, as Reddy explained that the song was about the pride of being a woman, something that wasn't really accepted at the time. And this reflected as some radio stations refused to play this song because they claimed it represented, quote, all that is silly in this women's lib movement, end quote. So instead of focusing on the radio, Reddy decided to perform it at television shows. And that made the song even bigger and it forced these radio stations to play it anyway. The song became an anthem for the movement and it was usually sung during feminist rallies and protests. Now, if we look at the blues and folk genre, however, at this time it was also very much dominated by men. But there were also some female protest singers. The folk genre saw a huge revival, starting in the 50s with the Kingston Trio. But they veered away from anything overtly political and this led to a sub-movement within the folk genre, which of course now is known as 60s protest songs, with artists such as Peter, Paul and Mary, Joan Baez and Bob Dylan. And with the turn of the decade in the 1970s, these folk artists would start plugging in their instruments, and this created the birth of genres such as folk rock and country rock. Now the blues genre saw a lot of popularity in the early 60s as African-American music became part of the mainstream and blues festivals started popping up and it featured some legendary and evergreen blues musicians and these festivals were of course in part organized by Bonnie Raitt's old manager Dick Waterman. Later in the decade however, blues also veered into a heavier direction and it blended this original blues style with more psychedelic and rock genres. And this created a new genre for artists like Jimi Hendrix, but also Eric Clapton and The Doors. And once again, this genre did not offer as much space to female musicians, sadly. But that does lead up to the album of today. So let's look into that one. So the album Give It Up was recorded in June of 1972 at Beersville Studios near Woodstock, New York. The album was produced by Malko Kuskuna, who had primarily produced some reissues of old jazz artists. The album also features a lot of guest musicians, mostly from this area. Some notable ones are John Hall, who later became a politician, Freebo, who was Raid's longtime bass player, John Payne, and a, another special appearance by Paul Butterfield. Wild Raid's debut was more self-conscious and old-fashioned with its songs and recording approach, being done almost primarily live with no overdubbing. Give It Up offered an opportunity to experiment more and really focus on a streamlined production, 
and this time there was room for much more overdubbing and the musicians were given the room and the space to develop their own points of view on the material. The album features three original songs by Raid and seven remaining covers. The album was supposed to feature another cover, however, with the legendary musician Fred McDowell. Raid and McDowell were scheduled to record a duet for the song Kokomo, in this way trying to reintroduce McDowell to the broader audience, but he sadly passed away during the time that the album was recorded. And Dick Waterman recalled later on, quote, She has never spoken about Fred's death of cancer in the summer of 1972, when she was doing her second album in Woodstock, but it hit her really hard. It was almost as if she was angry that they just didn't have a little more time. She could have done it for them, as her popularity was climbing and helping them was a real motivation. Those men just ran out of days, unquote. In the album's notes, Raid then also wrote, This album is dedicated to the people of North Vietnam and the loving memory of a dear friend, Fred McDowell. Now, if we're specifically looking at the music on the album, it sounds much better produced compared to her debut album. And Bonnie seemed to sound more confident, as Rolling Stone magazine's John Landau described it. Quote, Bonnie comes out right on top of the whole thing. A precise, erotic, thoroughly disciplined voice providing a perfect center for this gutsy enterprise. End quote. And it seemed like Raid really honed and perfected her skills on this album. Because the musical style itself did not change as much compared to the previous record, but it still found a way to indistinguishably blend together elements of folk, blues, R&B and rock and roll onto the album. The album features an array of different instruments, from acoustic and electric guitars to pianos, to harmonicas, brass instruments, and strings. And all this music was topped by Ray's confident vocals, talking about her own femininity, being in control, but also about both thriving and failing relationships. And these themes can of course be paralleled to the second wave feminism of the time. In retrospect, however, Bonnie did not really like her vocals on this album, as she compared it sounding like Mickey Mouse. Now it's hard to pin down one or multiple specific artists that influenced this album specifically because it's so diverse in sound and themes. But you can of course see that she found a way to translate some blues classics and create her own compositions in her own way. And there are some influences from New Orleans brass bands and the use of the bottleneck slide is reminiscent of John Hammond. And the album also features some covers from the original artists Barbara George, Rudy Clark, Chris Smither, Joel Zoss, Jackson Brown, Sippy Wallace, and Eric Haz and Libby Titus. Now let's actually look at some of those songs. Just like her debut album, Give It Up did not spawn any official singles, as Ray preferred to focus on her live performances instead. So instead of looking at the singles, I will highlight both my favorite and some generally praised tracks. Starting with the opening title track, Give It Up or Let Me Go.
The original composition starts off with a very southern sounding guitar, almost directly pulled out of the music that Raid felt so connected with. The song quickly turns into a very festive street fair, with some great horns and pianos, especially Freebo's tremendous tuba playing. Meanwhile, the lyrics reflect Bonnie's interpretation of the classic I'm not taking it attitude. In a very bluesy way, she talks to her man about the relationship, and if he wants to keep being with her, he needs to stop messing behind her back and give it up or let her go. And she later adds to that, shake it and don't break it. Bonnie later reflected that this is one of her all-time favorite tracks, and she said, quote, You can bet it was just as much fun to be there as it sounds. So moving on to a maybe more classic blues song, there's a song Love Me Like a Man. And this one is originally by Chris Smither. And this song really showcases Braid's great guitar playing, and it also shows her great sense of female empowerment that she was known for. But it's also of course very notable for this time. And Bonnie said about this song, quote, one of the best modern blues songs ever written and another that I couldn't imagine a set without. The original songwriter, Chris Smither, was actually a friend and early influence to Ray. Because they lived a block away from each other in Cambridge, they spent a lot of afternoons swapping songs and guitar licks. Now the next track on the album is one of my favorites and it was also released as a promotional song so not as an official single and this one is called Too Long at the Fair and this one is a Joel Zoss original and it is referred to as quote the most delicate and underrated song that Bonnie recorded in the 1970s end quote and these lyrics are about reaching the end of one's rope and even though on its surface, it might seem simplistic. The way that this song is structured and played is just beautiful, in my opinion. And Eric Kaz's piano weaves in and out the song at the right moments. But my personal favorite part must be this amazing guitar solo.
The following track on the album is one of the most applauded songs, and this is Under the Falling Sky. And this once again showcases a different style in Raid's playing and singing, as it is a very straight up rock and roll song, and it was originally written by Jackson Brown. And this song includes a great guest appearance by Paul Butterfield on the harmonica. And this one once again just sounds like absolute fun to record and play. And this song also features members of Freebo's former band, Edison Electric, which really completes this song's sound. Now the final track on the album is Love Has No Pride and this one is also very much applauded by some critics and as Rolling Stone magazine put it quote Love Has No Pride closes the album on a note that will convince anyone that Bonnie Raitt can sing anything right. It is a beautiful ballad performed only with fretless bass, piano and guitar accompaniment and despite the fact she didn't write it it seems to sum up the perspective of all her music concerning the necessity for love or any terms you can handle it. The album was released in September of 1972, and it sold moderately, but better than her debut, and it was the first album for Ray to reach the Billboard Top LPs and Tapes chart, and it peaked at number 138, and Give It Up received universal positive reviews upon its release, and it praised Ray's songwriting, singing, playing, and production, and the magazine Record World wrote the following about the record, quote, The choice of material from the self-penned numbers to a stunning Jackson Brown tune is excellent and the musicianship and production could hardly be better, end quote. The album ended up selling well over 500,000 copies and it's certified gold in the 80s. And in retrospect, the album has held up very well among the general public and among fans of Raid's career as a lot of people see it as 
one of, if not the best record in her career. And in the book, The New Rolling Stone Record Guide, critic Bart Testa gave the album four out of five stars. And he wrote, quote, Give It Up came closest to perfecting her approach. She mingled her blues resources with a variety of contemporary folk-oriented songs, unquote. After the release of the album in 1973, Ray decided to move back to Los Angeles and she did this to be together with the group Little Feet and she also had found a new lover there. And besides that she did not really like the fame that she had gotten in Cambridge and she believed that she was also drinking too much in that scene. So instead she moved and she kept her life quite private in LA. But she did not really avoid the rock and roll party scene that was happening there at the time. And Bonnie fell back into her old ways and both drank and did cocaine during these parties. She recorded her follow-up album there, Taking My Time. And this one was also received very well. And it continued the sound of her previous two records. The albums after this, however, were made with the mainstream in mind and her version of Al Green's Runaway that she released in 1977 became a great success commercially but critics did not like it and it was panned and the years after this saw more critiques on her albums and this also showed commercially although she never really disappeared from performing by 1983 Raid's upcoming album was shelved and she was dropped from her label because they were unsatisfied and disappointed with the lack of success. And this was also in the midst of her struggle with alcohol and substance abuse. This did not stop her however, and she kept performing to make ends meet. And a few years later, the label approached her again with the plan to release the previously shelved album. Raid did not really like this idea however, and instead they parted ways and she signed with another label to create something new but this time she decided to do it sober and this led to the 1989 album Nick of Time which became a huge success and made way for a very successful part of her career but I'll tell more about that later on the podcast when it shows up on the list so during her career Raid has always stayed very much involved in promoting the classic blues music as she did earlier in her career. And she did this in part by further honoring Sippy Wallace with the Rhythm and Blues Foundation. And besides this, she has remained very active in political activism. And most notably here is her involvement against the use of nuclear energy and weapons. With the group she co-founded, Musicians United for Safe Energy, which was created in 1979. And the group organized multiple events for this cause, including a series of concerts at Madison Square Garden, as well as one of the largest rallies in the US history, with almost 200,000 people, which showed up at Battery Park City in New York City. And a live album of these earlier mentioned uh, Madison Square Garden shows features Bonnie Raitt, and was also co-produced by her and was released in November of 1979. Bonnie Raitt is an icon when it comes to funk blues musicians and she paved the way for many more women to come in this genre and the music industry in general 
And she did not shy away from putting herself out there, being a strong person who was in control. And this way she became a role model for a lot of women. And she was the first woman to receive a signature guitar line with the company Fender, which was a really huge thing for the industry and for herself. Now, although a great number of albums of Raid, including Give It Up, were recorded elsewhere, Bonnie has often been referred to as a Southern California classic or a Californian sweetheart. And because of this profiling, she has also been a very huge inspiration for singer-songwriters from this area. But if we look at the album Give It Up specifically, it has been noted to be an inspiration to country singer-songwriters like Shelby Lynn and Sheryl Crow. The latter with whom Raid recorded a duet which featured on the 2019 album Freds. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Once again, thanks for listening. It's really great to see that this is reaching some people and hope you enjoy it. Remember, you can always reach me through Twitter or Instagram at 500albumspod, which is 500albumspod. If you're listening to this on certain apps, you can also rate the podcast. So it would help if you rate it so it gets noticed by other people. You can also reach me for email. You can send me your favorite tracks of this one, of this album or the upcoming album, or you can send in any questions or suggestions you may have. And this you can also do via 500albumspod at gmail.com. And next week we'll be looking at another album, namely number 495, which will be New Boots and Panties by Ian Dury and the Blockheads. So make sure to listen to that album and I'll see you then. Bye.